CBD. It's non-FDA regulated, sold everywhere now. So when will it actually help you? How much should you use? How do you know if it's a legitimate product you can trust? Should you smoke, vape, take a pill, a gummy? What's the difference? We're going CBD all the way today. We're going to demystify some of these things for you. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Possibilities. Each show, we aim to expand our awareness and explore ways we can transform life from the inside out naturally. Mario Rosales is beside me at every show doing the production thing. He may or may not be on the microphone, but he runs the technology that makes this sound so good week after week. We put a lot of time, money, and energy into this show, so if you get something out of it, will you show us a little love, please? Buy us some lunch or something. Your donations are always appreciated at journeyofpossibilities.com slash support. We have a library of almost 300 interviews now. All timeless wisdom available anytime, journeyofpossibilities.com. Joining us next, Martin Lee of Project CBD. Hi, I'm Mario Rosales. You know, if you're a GoDaddy user, one of the things to keep in mind is that when you cancel that account within 90 days, you lose everything. Email, if you're doing hosting, email through them, your website. So here's a little tip. If you haven't done it already, Go ahead and put everything into like a Word document and save it. And if you want to move to another provider, go ahead and give me a call and I can help you rebuild a whole nother website. I use WordPress and that one we can take it anywhere. You don't even have to use my hosting and we can help you out with everything there. Just let me know. Give me a call or contact me at MarioRosales.com. Martin A. Lee is the co-founder and director of Project CBD. They are a California-based nonprofit dedicated to promoting and publicizing research into medical therapeutic uses of CBD and other components of the cannabis plant. Martin A. Lee has published several award-winning books, and now Project CBD, along with the editors of Reader's Digest, have teamed up to publish The Essential Guide to CBD. That's what we're going to talk about today. You'll want to get a copy of the book, so there's an affiliate link right here on the show. And when you purchase through there, we are also rewarded in support of our continuing show at no cost to you. Found online at projectcbd.org, Martin joins us now. Welcome, Mr. Lee. Thank you very much. Happy to be on the show. So glad for you to take the time to join us because we do have a lot of questions. It seemed like overnight CBD was everywhere. And along with that, a lot of, unfortunately, with what you called in the book, snake oil salesmen. So we do need some help demystifying all of this. Well, you know, the snake oil component is a reality, but that's not the full picture. That's not the full story. You know, actually, CBD is uh, goes back quite a few thousand years. In ancient China, CBD was part of the pharmacopoeia, uh, and, which is very effective, actually, for many different conditions, as it's shown to be today. But the problem is... Um, it has exploded. Uh, there's a lot of different businesses getting into the action, putting out products that are not regulated by the federal government or, or state regulators even, uh, unless it's part of a licensed uh, legal marijuana uh, market in that state. So there is a, a lot of material out there, and, and some of the products are helpful. Some of the products don't really reflect what's on the label. Um, in, in some ways, it's a big mess, but there's a lot of potential uh, and it shouldn't be just sort of dismissed as, as a snake oil fad. CBD is for real, and it, and it can help people in many different ways if people know how to use it. Absolutely. And I've personally experienced that as well. And I've been looking for just the right person to be able to go into this topic with, and I felt like you were it the minute I started reading the book. So I'd like to start with 
learning just a brief synopsis of the endocannabinoid system that we all have inside our body and why CBD can be so beneficial for us? Well, this is, you know, when, when we went to um, high school, for me, that was quite a few years ago, uh, but uh, we learned in our biology class that we had different physiological systems, a skeletal system, a nervous system, uh, a reproductive system, there about 12, the muscular system, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, well, another system was discovered back in the 1990s, uh, relatively recently, um, and it, it's called the endocannabinoid system, and it turns out um, even though it's a recent discovery, it's a very, very old phenomenon going back like 500 million years in animal evolution. And it's a system that actually regulates all the other systems. It keeps them all, if, if, if it's uh, running properly, working properly, it keeps everything in balance. Um, so it's a very, very important system, and it, it, it regulates a lot of different um, biological activity. Um, it's been said by scientists associated with the federal government from the National Institute of Health uh, that a dysfunction of the endocannabinoid system is implicated in, in basically every disease known to man. That every disease it means something is going wrong with your endocannabinoid system. And if you can modulate that system, the National Institute of Health Scientists say, um, you have potential for uh, helping many different diseases. Well, it turns out that CBD is a very potent and effective modulator of the endocannabinoid system. You know, it's, it's a fascinating subject. One could talk for hours just about the endocannabinoid system. Um, but really, it is quite important in terms of understanding uh, human biology and physiology. And the advances that have come through that discovery are quite significant. And you might say that much of the science that focuses on cannabis therapeutics and CBD and other components of the plant is really based on uh, this now expl exploding knowledge of the endocannabinoid system. It is so interesting that something that pivotal to our health is something many of us don't know anything about. I mean, I really didn't know anything about it until the explosion of CBD. And I started to hear about this and learn about this. And I would suggest that anyone that's unfamiliar with it, get familiar with it. I'm sure we can do some of that probably on your website at Project CBD. Oh, sure. You know, we, we, we have a lot of different articles. So we follow the discoveries in science that are happening weekly all around the world. And we write about them. We try to we basically translate the language of science into something that's easy to understand for a non-scientist. Because sometimes scientists kind of get used to talking to each other uh, and they have a language of their own. So yes, there's a lot on the endocannabinoid system. Uh, this week, for example, we released a, 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 an article on how the endocannabinoid system affects mental health and mental health conditions. Uh, and went through several examples just on the basis of the science that's emerged in the last few weeks. So it really is a fascinating area uh, to follow and, and, and to write about, to think about, and to educate about. And it's interesting because where marijuana is illegal, which is most of the United States, unfortunately, then we aren't even aware of these healing benefits of this plant. And as it mentions in the book, it's also difficult to do the research to prove the benefits of it because you're trying to research with a plant that's illegal. It is a little strange. You know, we're in a situation where there's actually been a lot of scientific research, but not using the plant. The plant is like considered radioactive by the U.S. government. It's more difficult for a scientist 
to get hold of the plant to do actual legitimate research than it is for any kid to walk down the block and, and score some weed. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's ridiculous because the scientists have to run through all these bureaucratic hoops and register this and that, and you know, as if this is this terrible thing you're working with. Um, but you know, there is a lot of science though that focuses on individual compounds, either in the cannabis plant or from the cannabis plant or um, other compounds that interact with the endocannabinoid system. The interesting thing is, you know, when we talk about cannabis or CBD, why does it work? Well, it actually works because the compounds in the plant mimic and augment the effects of endogenous cannabinoids, cannabinoids that the human brain actually in the body makes 24-7 all the time. And it, sometimes things can you know, go a little off course or you get depleted. And that's where uh, cannabis and cannabinoids from the plant, if they're consumed, can boost that endocannabinoid system. So, you know, it ties back to that original question. And, and, and so there's a lot of very interesting research, but mainly it's going on uh, giving individual components, isolated compounds to a mouse uh, or another animal. And there's a lot you can learn from that. A lot of scientists have learned from that. But unfortunately, you can't, you know, just leap from studies from a mouse and assume that those results are, are, are applicable to human beings, particularly when you're talking about dosage of, of untested drugs, you know, this kind of thing. So there's a lot of preclinical animal research that's very exciting that underscores the huge medical potential of CBD and THC for that matter and other components of the cannabis plant. And then there's a lot of anecdotal accounts from people who are actually consuming these things uh, and reporting what, you know, what their experiences and oftentimes uh, it's, it's quite profound. Um, but what's missing is the clinical research to quote unquote prove that CBD works or that THC works. And with CBD, the research is starting to happen more now. And it is an approved pharmaceutical for um, some rare forms of, of childhood epilepsy. Um, but but what it's showing in, in from anecdotal reports and from animal studies that CBD could be helpful for literally dozens of different diseases, everything from diabetes to nerve pain to Alzheimer's, to, you, know, you name it. And it seems that at least on the basis of what it's doing to mice, that, that there's some real potential there. So you know we're in this kind of funny position of, of people are taking it and they experience it. The scientists are talking about it, explaining how it works, but we just aren't allowed to access the clinical data. Um, but hopefully that will be changing. It, again, it is somewhat for CBD, uh, but still there's a lot of restrictions in the plant. Well, and another reason we hope the laws will be relaxing on that at some point is because, as you discuss in the book pretty early on, that the it works better in tandem. So not isolating just CBD, but often we have to isolate CBD so that our, our random drug screens and our employers and things don't pop and look like we're sitting around smoking pot. But as you say, there's some degree of THC with the CBD actually enhances the benefits. Yeah, they both actually enhance each other. You have, we have to keep in mind that THC is also an approved isolate as a pharmaceutical uh, for nausea and things like that. that. That plan actually works better, but it is approved as a pill. Uh, you can, and, and CBD also available as a pharmaceutical single molecule. Um, so, you know, that's what scientists tend to focus on because it's single molecule that can yield a specific single result. And, you know, it's much less complicated when you're dealing with a complex plant. Um, but you made a very good point that there's a lot of emphasis on CBD as sort of the rock star, the medical rock star right now. 
Um, but uh, we must never forget that the, the, the overwhelming evidence, both the preclinical, the, the small amount of clinical data, and, and, and certainly the, the human experience, the anecdotal reports, is that CBD and THC work best together. They kind of bring out, they, they complement each other in very significant ways. You know, one thing, as we're talking about CBD or cannabidiol, we should keep in mind it's not intoxicating. It's not, it's not psychoactive the way that THC is. That's the component of, of cannabis or marijuana that gets you high. Um, and CBD can kind of lessen the high or counter the high, um, which is very important for medical uses because sometimes people need very high doses of these um, uh, cannabis-related drugs. And if you know a high dose of THC is going to really wallop you. It's not something that's necessarily uh, pleasant. You know, uh, you get too stoned. You know, you hear stories about people overdosing on edibles. But if you're combining your THC medicine with CBD, um, you can make it much more tolerable. Or in some cases, you could take a low dose of THC that doesn't really have a therapeutic impact, but but also doesn't get you high. When combined with CBD, it will make THC it will bring out its therapeutic properties, but still it's not bringing out the high. So it allows, so essentially what CBD does, it allows people to manage the psychoactivity, which is sort of the first challenge of, of medical marijuana. You have to be able to manage the experience. You don't want to get too high. You don't want it to be unpleasant. Um, and, uh, and, and for that matter, you know, with CBD, this might sound strange, but THC actually makes CBD safer. Because the one problem with CBD, which is actually intrinsically very safe, is that it combines, it, it, it interacts with many different pharmaceuticals. It, it, it's astonishing, but CBD is estimated to uh, have drug interactions with 70% of approved pharmaceuticals in the United States. Now, that's a warning sign wow. because it means if, if, you're, if you're dealing with a serious medical condition, oftentimes people don't, don't come to cannabis therapeutics until after they've tried all the conventional stuff and they're sort of even worse condition as a result. Um, but they're on pharmaceutical regimens, oftentimes polypharmacy regimens, particularly for seniors. Um, and you start throwing CBD in the mix. Um, it can really complicate matters. It could, it could block the other drugs or could magnify them. Um, and it, it's, I, I don't mean to uh, you know, raise too many alarm bells, but, but what it means is that uh, when people think they can benefit from high doses of CBD, and sometimes that maybe is required for what they're dealing with, they have to be very, very careful. But again, you can lower the amount of CBD you need to be effective if you combine it with a little THC. And, and it's really only high doses of CBD, very high doses, that really raise the specter of problematic drug interactions. That's a whole conversation in and of itself because you know, drug interactions aren't necessarily problematic. Sometimes they can be beneficial. But you know, the point that you made is a very, very important one. There's so much of an emphasis and excitement now about CBD, CBD, CBD. Uh, we mustn't forget that CBD as an isolate just doesn't work as well as CBD as a part of a full spectrum uh, oil extract or, or the uh, uh, as part of the whole plant matrix. Um, when we first got started at C Project CBD, um, that was in, in 2010, actually, uh, when we first learned about CBD in California and, and began to uh, be able to get access to certain cannabis plants that we called CBD rich. They were kind of rare, but we were party to their rediscovery. Well, at that time, the entire medical marijuana community in California was all about THC. It was about getting high 
uh, but it was also about getting better. You know, the, the high didn't necessarily negate the fact that it was useful as a, for medicinal purposes for many things, nausea, et cetera. Um, but at that time, it was all about THC. And and we said and we we emphasized the project CBD. You know, there's a lot more going on with the plant than just THC. You have to consider CBD. It has all these uh, effects and so forth and so on. And uh, but these days we find ourselves in just the opposite uh, situation, where we get there's so much interest in CBD now that we have to remind people that it's not just about CBD. So thank you for asking that question, and I hope my response isn't too long-winded. No, it was wonderful. Thank you for that, and I love that it's come around to doses because that's actually the next thing I flagged in the book. Unlike our typical American mindset, which is if a little bit's good, more is better, THC, CBD doesn't seem to work that way. In fact, it says in the book that it works on a bell curve. So I was thinking about a particular friend who had told me she tried it and it just didn't work for her. Oftentimes that may be a matter of dosage, right? Yes, it may be. And, and uh, you know, we are sort of in the midst of kind of experiment with CBD. It's an experiment where the people are actually doing the experimentation. It's more so than even the doctors, you know. Uh, people are figuring it out for themselves. And, and one thing that's clear is that there is a sweet spot for effectiveness of, of, of the CBD, or we like to say a CBD-rich remedy, uh, a CBD remedy with other components of the plant in there, even if it's mainly CBD, uh, and that it's going to work best. And it turns out uh, there's been a number of studies that, that really illuminate this issue, but there was one study, um, uh, well, the, out of Brazil that looked at the effectiveness of CBD as an isolate, as a pharmaceutical, uh, as compared to CBD as a full-spectrum oil extract, uh, as part of this broader tapestry of, uh, of components, and the, how these oil extracts were being used by um, children with epilepsy. Uh, and also the isolates. We have a lot of actually information uh, scientifically about what happens with the CBD isolates for the kids with epilepsy because this actually went through clinical trials. And now there is a drug called Epidiolex, which is basically CBD, a pure CBD, uh, given to uh, children for epilepsy. And it's proved, it's approved for that. Um, but what's interesting is that the, the dosages required using the single, uh, the isolate, the pharmaceutical CBD, were about five times the amount uh, and we're not necessarily more effective uh, than the, the the CBD in the um, full spectrum e extracts. In other words, um, you needed one fifth of the amount of CBD in the extract when it was combined with all these other things to get that powerful anti-convulsant, anti-epileptic effect, which has really been you know blowing people's minds. I mean, CBD is very effective for epilepsy, and I think it's for that across the board, not just for for these. Um, instances of pediatric epilepsy. Um, but uh, so there you have a, a very vivid comparison. It was a meta-analysis, which considered a very, um, uh, a very strong uh, evidentiary approach to analyzing data. Uh, and it showed that the oils were just as, if not even, just as it was probably even a little more effective than the isolate. They were both effective, which is mind-blowing, because you're talking about kids that nothing worked for them. They tried all these other drugs. They're really messed up. And they get exposed to CBD and their seizures stop sometimes, stop sometimes completely. Uh, usually, at least they stop, you know, they, they, they uh, just diminished in numbers. Um, and that's amazing for because it's, 
when, when you try these anti-epileptic drugs, usually after the third one, nothing, none of the rest of them are going to help if it's not working. And then along comes CBD and wham, you know. And that's what really opened the eyes of our culture uh, when, we, when people learned about specifically about the impact of CBD on children uh, with epilepsy. And it's all of a sudden, you know, the stigma fell from, you know, marijuana used to be called the assassin of youth back in the Read from Madness days. Mm -hmm. And here we're seeing pictures on, on national television of how a component of, of the cannabis plant, the marijuana plant, happened to be CBD, was saving children's lives. Uh, and not only that, that you didn't have to smoke it and you didn't have to get high to benefit from it. And it was those factors, that, uh, the, the combination of those things that has proven irresistible to a lot of people. Because there was already a buzz about cannabis as medicine in the culture, uh, even if a lot of people were reluctant to try. But now you hear about CBD, you don't need to get high, you don't need to smoke it. And, and all of a sudden, it, it, it sounds a lot more attractive as an option. And it has resulted in a, a huge number of people, uh, uh, you know, uh, trying, you know, experimenting or working with these, these, uh, with something from cannabis. Uh, it, it really has broadened the whole medical marijuana world tremendously in that regard. So to come back to the point though, you know, there's other information as well that shows very clearly that with CBD, if it's an isolate, you have to have a very precise dose to make it work. Um, and that if you have, if it's a little under that dose or a little over, it really doesn't work. Whereas a full spectrum CBD rich oil, it doesn't it doesn't have that same um, uh, kind of um, uh, you know, what's called a biphasic effect. Uh, uh, that CBD can actually have an opposite effect, or can, if it's the, the the dose is very high compared to a very low dose, and oftentimes low doses work better. That's what's a little bit confusing to people. I think uh, it's fabulous. Think, oh, Another yeah. thing that you guys touched on in the book that I thought really bears mentioning on the show is I've, I have personal experience within my family of people who have been prescribed opioids and then, of course, the addiction that follows and the ugly, the ugly path that that can lead some, particularly people with addictive issues in their families. It can go some pretty dark places with people and then they struggle to get off of them. You guys talk about specifically the opioids. And there's cases in here that you talk about of where people that were only finding pain relief in that way could work with CBD and find pain relief. Can you touch on that a little bit? Well, yes. And, and not just CBD, but it turns out T THC is very helpful uh, yes. for um, you know, op opioid problems and op op opioid addiction. But, but here's an example of a potentially a positive drug interaction because when people who are uh, uh, using opioids for pain um, uh, combine it with cannabis, um, with CBD and or THC, uh, they find oftentimes with the reports we get is that they can reduce the amount of opiates they're using, yet it can still have the, the same uh, painkilling effect they need. And, and that, that's an example, again, of a positive drug interaction. The fact that um, uh, cannabis will, will, in a sense, potentiate the opioids or make them stronger. So you don't need to use them. You know, you can lower the dose. If you're lowering the dose, you're in decreasing the risk of an overdose. And, and, and you're, you're increasing the, the chance that lives will be saved. And that alone is quite significant. But there's many different ways that CBD that interacts with the whole issue of, of addiction. And it seems that in terms of, um, you know, one of the challenges if, if a person goes into rehab 
and the, and they kick opiates and they come back to their to the the real world so to speak um it's it's very difficult to resist environmental cues you know they go back to the same environment they were where they were using heroin or they were using the, the synthetic opioids and the pharmaceutical opioids and they go back they're sitting at the same desk they're at the same you, you know all the cues are pointing the environmental cues are pointing toward uh, the, the experience of the addict and what CBD has been shown to do in preclinical studies is sort of break that, uh, break those, the connection with the environmental cues, uh, where that, so that it's easier to resist the temptation of, of, uh, uh, of going back to, to using opioids. Um, and that's again one little component of what, what CBD is uh, showing in terms of potential for addiction. Uh, quite a few substances we, we we have them on our website: alcohol, um, cocaine, uh, opioids. Uh, uh, ironically enough, even the uh, abuse of cannabis is the the um, NIDA, the National Institute <laughs> of Drug Abuse, has been funding studies that. You know, it's not that they're totally without merit, but they're a little bit strange. And the idea is that if CBD can help a person get off of a marijuana addiction, quote unquote. Now, marijuana isn't addictive in the same way as those other drugs I just mentioned, um, but it, they, it, marijuana can be habituating, and sometimes it's a problem uh, for people. But um, so there's an interesting line of research that suggests, well, the person should, if they're, if they're a marijuana smoker and they want to get off their THC weed, they, they should use CBD and that will kind of compensate for it. And there, there could be some merit there, but I, I, I don't know. I don't have that problem. So, <laughs> um, But the point is that CBD addiction is, is a very, very difficult medical condition. And, and CBD and other cannabinoids um, show a lot of promise in this area. I would be shirking my duties if I didn't bring up the elephant in the room. We've gone through a pandemic. We have, you know, the one thing everyone's talking about is this virus and the other variants of the virus. What are you guys finding in terms of CBD? Are you doing any work in that area? Yeah, I mean, there's um, very early on in, 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 you know, the spring of 2020, where after the virus first hit, there was a number of reports that came out very quickly. And I don't want to say pseudoscientific journals, but the, what they call a pre-pub in science, meaning they don't go through peer review, that we're making, we thought were some pretty wild claims or, or suggestions that CBD was going to be a cure for COVID, COVID-19. And, and the, the research seemed very shoddy and dubious. And we, so we addressed that head on. But, you know, there is some very interesting research going on uh, in different countries that are looking at different aspects of what's called um, uh, the cytokine storm. It's when when the immune system goes berserk, really. And if it's we're talking about the immune system in the lungs, that's really what kills a person uh, because of COVID. It's a, an immune overreaction in the lungs uh, where where um, uh, there's so much inflammation and so forth that a person can't breathe, they can't function. And that's um, so the cytokine storm is something that you can a scientist can experiment with, uh, you know, in a petri dish or in a mouse or something like that, and they it, and research does show that CBD is a very potent anti-inflammatory, very potent. So is THC. So they're looking at both those compounds. Could that be used to calm a cytokine storm, a, a cytokine storm, an immune uh, overreaction? And, you know, it's too early to say, and one should research all aspects of these things, but I hate to um, 
uh, sort of overstate and dra- over-dramatize uh, CBD's potential. It, it, there's a lot going on that we didn't need to overstate what it can do. Um, I, you know, I'm all for more research in the area, and there, there's been some, there is some interesting research going on that's really worth keeping an eye on in this area. It just, it's too soon to, uh, to draw any conclusions. It's funny to me how someone in the holistic community would be hesitant to say this might make a difference. And yet here we've got the pharmaceutical industry that's barely had time to test anything going here. Let's put this in everybody. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Well, one thing, there's such a, it, it, there's still a stigma involved in anything to do with cannabis. So it, right. it's like if CBD is going to be useful for anything, they got to prove it five times over, you know, right. and, and, and the FDA is over always overstating the potential harms from CBD and so forth. One thing they've really focused on is um, allegations uh, based on some very, very limited data uh, from these uh, tests with these children with epilepsy who are already on drugs that were causing liver liver damage, combine it with CBD and this FDA saying, hey, CBD might be causing liver damage. Well, they're already taking drugs that cause liver damage, but it's kind of become a meme with the FDA. It's their excuse for not giving the green light for CBD to be um, in the consumer market and health uh, supplement market. Um, so what we got involved in is a study that's ongoing, actually, that actually is a serious clinical trial involving drawing blood. You know, we don't do this. We're not doctors, but we're working with the group that is um, to, to really analyze the impact of CBD on liver health. And the good news is after I know more than a thousand uh, people have gone through and have blood drawn and, you know, before and after start, you know, they, they, they go on CBD for about six weeks or so. And then, so they do a, a test before and after and look at liver function. And it's looking very positive in terms of uh, CBD getting a clean bill of health, as we would expect you know, in terms of uh, liver issues. But um, I, I think... Uh, what can you say that the, the <laughs> vaccines and all that, it's a whole nother conversation right. and, and people are freaking out about it, but there's no doubt when you, you, um, when you take a vaccine, it, it, you know, the interesting thing is that I was told it was very amusing in some ways in this whole bizarre political spectacle going on vaccines, you know, vaccines are based on a homeopathic principle that homeopathy a little bit you know, does a lot, even less does more. I mean, that's the principle you know, less uh, of homeopathy. And, and yet it's the alternative, um, some uh, in the alternative health community, you would think would be most supportive of homeopathy that are flipping out about vaccines and being the right. end of life. You know? And then you have the pharmaceutical establishment who practically wants to jail homeopath, you know, <laughs> homeopaths. <laughs> and I've been trying to just bludgeon them out of existence institutionally and otherwise. And yet you know, there are whole their whole shtick with vaccines is based on a homeopathic principle. And frankly, a lot of other successful things in, in uh, allopathic medicine has been adopted from homeopathy. But, you know, not to go off on a tangent, it just, yeah. um, it, it does, uh, it dovetails again a little bit with cannabis therapeutics because it's, it isn't, as we were talking about before, the biphasic effect, you know, you experience pain, you take a painkiller and you think, oh, you need more, you know, it's not quite doing the trick, then you take Stronger dose, stronger dose. Uh, but with um, uh, the studies that have done it with CBD for neuropathic pain, CBD and THC, um, they found, they actually identified very clearly for this one drug, uh, Sativex, uh, CBD and THC combination, not legal in the U.S., but in 25 other countries uh, under the tongue preparation, that for people with neuropathic pain, which is very difficult pain to treat, about, it was, I think the number was 21 milligrams 
of, of this uh, extract a day was optimal. If they took 42 milligrams, they got half the effect in terms of the pain killing. And if they doubled that, they got no effect on pain. You know, so there it is. You know, we, we can't assume that um, our typical ways of thinking, it, which is very confusing in, 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 in our society, uh, makes a lot of sense when it comes to cannabis therapeutics. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of irony going on right now. We could do a whole show on that. You're absolutely right. There is, you know, and I'm very well aware of the, of the uh, you know, some of the disputes and so forth. But uh, ultimately, it comes down to one has to take care of oneself as best one can. Um, but we also live in a world where it's not realistic to think we're we're going to protect ourselves from the, you know, eighty thousand synthetic chemicals that are in the environment that are not regulated. I mean, you can't can only do so much. Exactly. Um, so, uh, but um, but CBD can be a big help uh, for maintaining a healthy life. Or improving one's health, um, uh, yeah. Whether or not one's getting vaccinated, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, one of the things that it you just a- touched on, I, I really want to talk about for a second, and that's you know all the chemicals in the environment. That also goes into because, as you mentioned in the book, these CBD products, these plants, soak up all these things that they are grown around, right, out of the soil and stuff. So it's important where the CBD is sourced from and how it's extracted, how it's grown, and there's no regulation over this. You even, uh, you guys even said in the book that uh, like 70% of the samples that were bought didn't even have the same amount of CBD and THC as the label said. So when you're trying to take care of your health in a marketplace that isn't regulated, probably because the plants are illegal, uh, how do you do that? You know, like how do you know that what you're getting is the right thing? We have some very specific, you know, suggestions. It's on our website and they're in, in the book as well uh, to, to address that because it, it does put a lot of onus and responsibility back on the the consumer, the patient, the individual uh, to um, to be conscious to be a conscious consumer. One thing we we should keep in mind that there's sort of two worlds of of CBD: the unregulated hemp-derived CBD marketplace, which proliferates. Throughout the United States, and direct, you know, you can buy this stuff at gas stations and uh, all around the world. You 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 can get hemp derived CBD, um, but also in the United States, anywhere where marijuana is legal as a medicine or for personal use, for recreational use, you can get CBD within the licensed ma- uh, ma- marijuana market. I prefer to call it cannabis, but I don't. I have no problem with marijuana either. And if if a uh, so in California, for example, anyone who's 18 or over can get, or maybe it's 21 and over, I, I forget, I think it's 21 and over, oops, <laughs> um, can walk into a licensed dispensary and buy a CBD product that has been tested fully for over 60 different pesticides, over, for different solvent residues and all these things. It has to go through an actually rigorous testing program, and, and it's fairly rigorously regulated. Uh, so you, you can buy some a CBD product in that context with more confidence than if you're just buying it over the internet. Um, or, uh, but you know, the fact of the matter is, some people are in states where marijuana is not legal in any way, shape, or form. That, but that CBD is legal. Uh, so their their options are are, are more narrow. Uh, but still, in that context, it's possible to find good products. You know, on our website, uh, we don't advocate for specific products or brands. That's not what we do at Project CBD. But we do have a little marketplace area where 
uh, certain what we might call the smaller mom and pops who make really fine artisanal oil extracts and do a very careful job, but they're not, you know, these big companies going into all these states. They they have their products available, but we, we don't sell these products, but you, you can get to their, their websites and so forth uh, through our website. So that's, you know, one way, but people have to try and have to uh, experiment, be willing to experiment a little bit, uh, read up on, um, you know, join Facebook groups or whatever, I don't know, where they're discussing these things uh, to try to figure it out. And, uh, you know, it's it's not scary to take CBD. Like I say, it doesn't get you high. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, you start with a little bit. You can increase it a little bit. Um, if you can find a, a, a doctor who works with cannabis, that's all the best. If you have a serious medical condition and there's a doctor in your area who sort of specializes in cannabis therapeutics, you want to consult that doctor. Um, but most often people are on their own, left to their own devices. Um, but, you know, a lot of it's just common sense. You read a label. If it's got all sorts of things in the label, like artificial colors or artificial flavors, uh, for me, that's the kind of product I would not buy in a, in a, in a supermarket. Um, and I wouldn't want it in my CBD product either. I don't want artificial anything in there if possible. Right. Um, so it's a matter again, and, and this, uh, unfortunately this stuff proliferates, uh, but there are also very good, clean products out there, but one has to be a conscious consumer. Well, and this book is fabulous. As you say, all a lot of the questions I asked you about, there is information in the book, but I wanted to get you to kind of share what you had to say about it. this book, The Essential Guide to CBD. It says right on the cover, it's everything you need to know about what it helps, where to buy it, how to take it, and they go in depth. There are lots of testimonials in here, and I love how it culminates with the chapter, Your CBD Action Plan, how to choose the form you want to try, research it, consult with a doctor, experiment with dosage and timing, try Track your results. This is really a good handbook for anybody that would like to start trying to work with CBD and uh, and different forms of the the plant and and see how it works for you. No, I think so. I mean, I can honestly say so. I'm not the author of the book itself. It was a collaboration between Project CBD and Reader's Digest. Um, but uh, much of the content on there is from the Project CBD website that's been adapted to a book. Um, and I do think that it really will help a person navigate this you know, kind of confusing and uh, understandably complex marketplace. And, um, and I think that it could be an asset in that way. That was the whole idea of, of working on it. And it's excellent. We're talking with Martin A. Lee, the co-founder and director of Project CBD, a California-based nonprofit, all about the therapeutic uses of CBD and other components of the cannabis plant. Thank you so much for your time being with us. I'd like to ask you if you have a final parting thought, anything we didn't touch on, anything you'd like to expand further on to leave us with today. Jesus, oh, <laughs> it's such a leading question. We can have three, we can have three more conversations. Maybe we should come come back, you know, next year or something. Um, you know, it, it's um, CBD has exploded. It's become this huge commercial thing. And you know, when we started, it was not a commercial thing. It was just about, hey, this is interesting. Could this help people? Uh, is is if people if human beings use CBD? products or, or CBD um, cannabis, will it be anything like the scientists were telling us at these conferences about what it was doing for mice? And we thought that if it would come anywhere close to that, it was going to be huge. And it's turned out to be huge, but we don't have to get caught up in all the hype. The responsibility falls back on us to kind of figure it out for ourselves. Um, and uh, so good luck on that one. 
Thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time to be with us. Thank you, listener, for joining us. Let us know what you think. We always want to hear from you at journeyofpossibilities.com. And if you like the show, tell your friends, okay? We always love new listeners. And we'll see you next time on Exploring Possibilities.